Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. So as I look out, some of you are, y'all don't, they don't say anything. Come on, it's okay to get excited about God's word. In a day and age where, where the enemy wants us to get excited about any and everything but God, I think it's important to show our young people and the younger generation, hey, we're pumped about God's word. God's word means something. It, it's a source of blessing. It, it will never fail you. And today, uh, I want to tell you that, that Jesus tells us in his word how to have abundant life. How to have abundant life. And that's the, that's the title of our series, Abundant Life. Jesus said it this way in John 10.10. 10. He said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and live it abundantly. But how many of us know that when God makes a promise, there is a caveat? You say, well, what do you mean a caveat? What do you mean there's conditions? There's always conditions. Do you write a check open-ended? Do you just sign a check, a blank check, and just let anyone cash it? Well, why wouldn't you do that? Because that's not the way things are done, Pastor. Well, guess what? You don't make a promise to someone and then have them disrespect you or dishonor you. Do you see what I'm saying? God is saying, no, no, I want to bless you, but you have to what? Live in an honorable way. There has to be something that you do on your end, and he, la he lays it out in his word. And he says, if you want my blessing, then live according to the blessing. Live according to the blessing. Let me put it to you this way. God says, I, I want you to have an abundant, amazing, fulfilling marriage. You say, okay, well then that's my right to have it. Absolutely. God is 100% for your marriage. But what if you go out there and you break every rule of marriage? You're not faithful. You lie on every, every occasion. You mistreat one another. You beat each other. You do all the things that you're not supposed to do. Then you see where, where Jesus said, but the enemy, I want to bless you, but the enemy, he comes to steal kill, and destroy. God says, I want to bless you from generation to generation to generation, but the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy that blessing, your children, your family, your togetherness, your closeness. God says, I want to bless you financially. The enemy wants you in debt so that you're a slave to the lender. So that we have to understand. You say, but pastor, I thought as a Christian, all things are permissible. Actually, that is what the Bible says. The Bible says if you are a Christian and you are saved by grace, all things are permissible. If you're truly saved, there's nothing that can keep you from being saved. It's already done. But you have to finish the verse. But not all things are beneficial. Meaning the enemy can still kill, steal, kill, and destroy your witness, your life, and your blessing. And so it's important for us to live out this life. If we want to be abundant, if we want to be fulfilled, if we want to have God's blessing, we have to do it his way. Amen? Come on. How many of you are like, nah, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I, I, I get it. 
In this day and age, that's hard. But I want you to know God is serious about his promise and he will fulfill it. And he'll do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope or imagine or dream if you trust him in it. And trusting him in it is living it his way. Today, I want to tell you, we're called to be a servant. If you want to have an abundant life, be a servant. I said, Pastor, a few weeks ago, you said, be generous. Today, you're saying, be a servant. I'm, se- I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah, it's straight from God's word. Amen. But what does it mean to be a Christ-centered servant? What does it mean to be a servant of Christ? What means to be selfless? That is something that in today's day and age is really hard. But it doesn't mean just selfless. It goes far deeper than that. Because if you take the New Testament word servant, you have to study it from the Greek. Because it was written in Greek, and the Greek term is dolos. And the dolos literally means slave, bondservant. Now, I know because of our checkered past, that has a very negative connotation, but that's exactly the word that Paul used when he introduced himself most often to the New Testament church. He would say, the apostle Paul, a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ. What did he mean by that? He meant that it was his privilege to give his life for Christ because Christ has given his life for us. And so if you think about that, you're going to serve something. You're either going to, and Jesus put it this way. He said, you're either going to love me and hate the other guy, or you're going to love him and hate me. But you're going to serve someone. You can't serve two masters. You will serve one of us. Isn't that the truth? Now, I want you to think about this. When we, think of, when we think about what is service and what is being a slave and what is being a bondservant, I want you to think about our challenge today. Do we have a challenge with this topic today? Oh, yeah. Did you know we have a real problem today? And younger generation, you know that I'm for you. I tell you this all the time. I pray for you. If you're under 30, you are my favorite generation because God has blessed you. And I believe you will see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why the enemy is coming against you with all he has. But I've got to make you wise to what's going on because he came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's why the enemy has come towards your generation, to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have a real problem with being selfless in the younger generation. Do you realize that most young people in in high school today, they don't want to be doctors, they don't want to be nurses, they don't want to help someone. You know what what, what the majority of young people today want to be? Influencers. Not just influencers, but celebrities or YouTube stars. Can you imagine being a social media star? That's your greatest desire. And do you know, in order to be that, you have to become a master of self-promotion. Self-promotion. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being any one of these professions, but think about the mindset of a society, a selfie-driven society. That's all about me, myself, and I, and how to promote myself. In fact, if you go and you type into Google self-promotion, it will give you a slew of articles on how to self-promote. 
many of which are saying, if you want to succeed, if you want to have a great career, if you want to level up or go to the, go to the next level, you must learn how to self-promote. They even talk about how to self-promote without being a jerk. <laughs> you know, 10 ways, nine ways. One article says, let me teach you how to leave the negative feeling of self-promotion behind and embrace it fully. Isn't that something? We're all about self-promotion today. Let me, t- let me ask you something. When was the last time you were invited to a followers or servants conference? Everybody wants to go to a leadership conference. I want to learn how to lead. I want to, but, but let me ask you one thing. If everyone is leading, who is? I don't know about you, but my daddy used to tell us this because he had four kids. And in, in that group of four, he would say, you know what the problem is? We've got too many chiefs and not enough. Everybody wants to be a leader. No one wants to follow. But how many of us know if you want to be a great leader, you must learn to be a great follower? Starts with following first. This is a serious problem today. Why? Because everyone wants to be cared for. Everybody wants to be ministered to. Everybody wants to be served, but no one wants to serve. Everyone talks about, I'm the one. How many of you have heard that saying in our younger generation? I'm the one. I'm him. What does it mean to be, I'm her? I'm that guy. I'm that girl. I'm the goat. What does it mean to be the goat? The greatest of all time. Can I tell you, there's only one that's the greatest of all time, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he's not a goat. He's a lamb. He's a lamb and the lion of Judah. He's both. He is humble, and yet he is king of kings and lord of lords. Can I tell you, you don't want to be a goat because Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back, and he will set his feet on the Mount of Olives according to the prophetic word, and he will gather there in the Kidron Valley. I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a real valley. And it's sitting there between the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount. And he will gather from the four corners of the earth. That's what the Bible teaches. The goats and the sheep. And he will divide them. Goats on his left, sheep on his right. And the goats will be cast into... Let's go read it. You go, what? Are you serious? Yes, the goats are all about me, myself, and... I, but the sheep know his voice. They hear his call. They obey his heart. And they've given themselves fully to follow their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And be, oh, come on. And listen to the parable. He says, I will separate and I will say, well done to the sheep, to the lambs. And I will say, well done. And they will say, why, Lord, why? He goes, because when I was hungry, you fed me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink, and I was sick, and you cared for me. When, Lord, did we ever see you in such a matter? He says, if you did it to the least, you did it also to me. So I want us to wake up. There is two different, completely opposed systems. 
One is the kingdom of God and the other is the kingdom of this world. One is led by the prince of the air, which is Satan. The other is the prince of all glory, Jesus Christ. And they value different things. It's important because in this day, we don't teach our children how to value what service anymore. I can remember one day, you know, I was listening to this pastor. He said, he said someone asked my mom, you didn't have a dishwasher when y'all were young, y'all, or, or when, when, when you were uh, raising your children, you, you lived poor. She said, oh, I had four dishwashers. <laughs> I want you to think about that for a second. Each one of my children, right? Oh, you didn't have a cleaning crew come in and clean. Oh, I had a great cleaning crew. Five of my kids, right? Oh, you didn't have a yard crew come in. I had a great yard crew. The kids did it because we taught them how to serve. Nowadays, it's like, oh, mommy, I can't do this. I'm allergic to the soap suds. I'm allergic to the cleansers. I'm allergic to get it on your hands. It'll be just fine. Amen. Come on, get it done. Get it done. Learn how to, you go, oh, wait a minute. No, I'm, I'm being honest with you. You want to learn how to level up, serve your tail off, and your boss will notice it and give you promotion. And it's, am I right? You show up there going, I'm too good for this, and I'm too good for that, and I'm too, if I'm your boss, I'm put them in a, in a certain category, try to get rid of them. I'm being honest. We have to teach our children. You go, pastor, I don't think we have that big a problem. Go start arguing for submission on social media and watch the way you get beat up. (laughs) Just put it on, just throw it out there on social media. Start talking about submission and the value of being submissive and watch the way you get beat up because this world can't stand what your king is about. See, the truth of the matter is you were saved to serve. The truth of the matter is, this world doesn't understand that. But you should because you've been given a heart change. This world is all about, I want recognition, promotion, advancement. I want accolades, awards. I want mine. But yet God's kingdom is not about going up. It's about going down. Think about this with me for a second. Jesus Christ came from glory all the way down and lived life at our perspective to show us how much he loved us. And all we can think about is going up, going up, going up. This is why the Bible says, for for even the Son of Man, the Son of God, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. This is so, so important. I need you to understand this. I need you to understand that you were saved to serve. I want you to to, to consider with me Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been, and this is through, this is not of works, so that no one can boast. You said, Pastor, you told me it was about works. 
No, I didn't tell you it was about works. I told you that you were saved, and now that you are saved, but you were saved not because of the good you did, in spite of the bad you did. God had mercy. The Bible says, God loved us. He saved me when I didn't deserve it. That's what it says. It was by his grace. But now look, I shouldn't brag about it. I should be humble, see, that no one should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. That means it's his good work, but now that he's doing that good work in me, watch, I'm created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? For service. In the, in the King James Version, he says, it says, you were saved unto good works. You get the privilege of, of doing something amazing for him. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So the what, the what is being selfless being humble, going down instead of up, understanding that this world doesn't view it that way, but you are not of this world. You have been saved unto what? Good works. You have been saved for the very purpose of serving. Isn't that beautiful? So there's another verse I want to share with you before we leave point number one on what does it mean to be a servant of Jesus Christ? It means that that's what you are. You go, it means that's what I am? Yeah, and therefore, people start recognizing it. So there's a verse in Acts chapter 9. It's right here. And it says, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. Now watch this, which was translated Dorcas. Come on, how many of us would go with Tabitha instead of Dorcas? Just want any Dorcas is in the room. Now, I like Dorcas. I'd go with Dorcas, you know. You can always tell what name the kids like because they'll go with that name, right? Um, my parents named me Robert Chris, and I confused everyone because at home I was Chris, but at school I was Robert. And all through my, my like, career was always Robert outside the home and then Chris inside the home. So anyway... But maybe you liked one of your names more. I don't know which one she liked, but I do know that God liked her. How do I know that God liked her? Well, we know that God liked her because God healed her and brought her back from the dead. Come on, how many of you know that's a big deal if God brings you back from the dead? Like you were dead and God raised you to life. Now, I don't know why he raised her because the Bible's not explicit, but I do know what she was involved in. She was involved in, watch this. She was doing good works and charitable deeds for the widows of the, of the New Testament church, near and dear to God's heart. In another version, it says, this woman was always doing. In another version, it says, she was known for always doing. Why? Because that's who she... And can I tell you, God sent his apostle Peter, by the, by the move of the Holy Spirit to go and bring her back from the dead so that she could keep doing. Can I tell you, you were brought back from the dead so that you can do good works. You were brought back from the dead so that you could do good works. You say, Pastor, I wasn't brought back from the dead. Then you're still a goat. No, I'm just going to be real. Because what's happened from the pulpit in America is that we have preached the gospel message in the wrong way. It's not biblical to say, God really, really needs you. And because he really, really needs you and you are so, so special, 
He couldn't do what he needs done without you. Therefore, would you please, please, please make his day and become a Christian? You can set your own terms. He'll love you on your terms. Oh, you would never say that. We do it every day when we say, just, 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 anybody can be saved. Just please say this prayer. No. To be saved means, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I was going straight to hell if it's not for your grace. And I changed my mind. I repented of my sins. I believed in you, and you are now my king. You're my king. That means I owe you everything. I have nothing to do with it. It's all you. That's why the Bible says salvation is holy of God, W-H. Holy, completely him. I was dead and you made me alive. I was in darkness, you gave me light. Oh, come on, come on, come on. You say, okay, but how do you know he raised me for good? That's what I just read. Just like he brought her back from the dead so she could continue doing, he brought you from the dead so that you might serve his kingdom. But pastor, I thought it was, he saved me so he could hook me up. We got some undoing to do, don't we? Some of y'all are going, Pastor, man, I had no idea you were going to be throwing stones today. The Bible doesn't throw stones. It's like that, hey, look, it's like that great theologian Ice Cube said. <laughs> Check yourself before you. Isn't it interesting how y'all know Ice Cube, but you don't know the Bible? <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you, right? Some of you are going, Pastor, you're having too much fun. It's supposed to, we're supposed to have fun. But, but, the, but it's not just Ice Cube that says that. The Apostle John says it. The Apostle Paul says it in different ways. Say, examine to see if you're in the faith. Examine your life. Measure your doctrine. See if it's really biblical. And you haven't just picked up something along the way because this is what's happening in the world today. Because people don't want to be part of a church, they create their own church on YouTube and they pick and choose like you're going through a Luby's cafeteria as a eight-year-old. And you pick and choose what you want to hear Instead of what God has you to hear based on his word and the man of God preaching out of the need of his people. That's important. Some of you, I don't know if I like that. I got to keep going because this really was supposed to be an uplifting sermon. <laughs> so why? Why should we be servants? Well, the Bible's very clear. We're called to not be part of this world, but to be part of his kingdom. And if you are saved, if you are a true believer of Jesus Christ, can I get a witness? Are there any true believers of Jesus Christ? Raise your hand if you're a true believer of Jesus Christ. Okay, if you're a true believer of Jesus Christ, I need you to understand what the Bible says. It says then you are a part of his kingdom. You don't get it any other way. You're a part of his kingdom. And if you are a part of his kingdom, then he is your sovereign Lord and no. I mean, you can say Savior, because that's easy. No, he is your sovereign Lord and King. King, yes, Savior. I love that. I love that. Because he is, and that's the easy part. 
Isn't that true? Anybody, everybody wants to be saved. Nobody wants to have a king. It's like, come on. It's like, it's, it's like that song from David Crowder goes, we all want to go to heaven, but it's hard to die. But Jesus says, you've got to have me as your Lord. And so this is important because if he is your Lord and you are a part of the church, then you don't build your kingdom, you build and you don't get to say, yeah, but I don't like the church. That is completely foreign to God to think that you can be a Christian going to heaven but have nothing or want nothing to do with the church. Get it straight. There is no, that is not existent in God's word. Never, nowhere. You know why? Because silly, you are the church. You are the church. And when you were saved, you were brought into his body, and you are now one of us. And we are under his lordship. He is the king, and we build his kingdom. But you might say, but pastor, I don't want to build his kingdom. you got to get with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, that rebellious streak in me, put it to death. Got to build your kingdom. You say, Pastor, you just want me to build your church. It's not my church. It's his church. He ordained that foundation should be here in this city. This city. And we all have this beautiful privilege of advancing his desire in the earth through foundation for Bastrop County. And what is his heart for Bastrop County? Well, there's some, some general things that we find in God's word, but the way we find that out is to be submissive to him, to come together and to say, Lord, we're ready to honor you. We're ready to reach our county. We're ready to reach our friends for Jesus. I can't sit idly by anymore and watch people go to hell that I know and love and care for. I want to see your presence be manifest in their lives. You go, I want to see God's presence be manifest. He says, I'm, I'm doing it through my church. My church is my body, my hands and my feet. You play that part. I, we play that part. Come on now. You say, pastor, you just got to hit it head on. The church can be difficult. Okay, let's talk about that. How many of us have ever been hurt by the church? Some of you are thinking, it's easy for you to say that, pastor. You're a pastor. <laughs> you know who gets hurt by the church the most? <laughs> and I grew up as a PK. I've seen the church do horrible things to pastors, especially small, um, small pastors. What I mean by, my dad always served in small little churches. I've seen, I've seen churches vote out pastors, put them out on the street, get all their stuff and leave it there on the side of the road. I've seen all kinds of things. But yet, I have determined, Lord, if you love your church, then I love your church. God, if you call her blessed, then I will bless her. If you're coming back for her, then I will dare not speak a word against her because she is your bride and the apple of your eye and you gave your life for her. And then he says, yeah, that sounds great, but it's you. You are part 
Stop talking like you're not. Then God, thank you for loving us. And it is my greatest privilege to serve her. I will not change a thing. I told God, Lord, the greatest privilege you ever gave me was pastoring your church and serving her and allowing my children to be raised in her. And, to, and I think back with great fondness to the time when I dedicated my children or married my beautiful bride and promised to love her before God and his church for the rest of my life and to be true to her and to do all the great moments, the, the funeral for her grandfather, the funeral for her grandmother, the funeral for my grandparents, to do life in the church because the church is everything to a Christian. Everything to a Christian. And if you haven't felt that, then you should repent and say, Lord, fill me with the power of the Spirit to love your church the way you love her. She's beautiful. I can remember studying in church those little Sunday school lessons of Noah and the ark and Moses splitting the Red Sea and all my Sunday school teachers teaching me those beautiful stories that have come to life as an adult in my life. Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? The church is beautiful. Yes, she has her mistakes, but don't we all? All right, so what's next? What's next is this. We need to understand that if you want to be great, because I, I just want to speak frankly to you for a minute. Are you with me? Are you sure you're with me? But pastor, there's something inside of me that wants to do something great. Can I tell you, God put that in you? But the enemy wants to hijack it, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for you. God wants you to be great. I want you to understand something. That the night before Jesus was betrayed to be killed, his disciples were arguing about greatness. They were arguing about who would be the greatest. Can you imagine how that must have gone? John... John, the, the writer of the book of John, was probably like, well, you know that I'm the one he loves the most. I mean, how annoying is it that John wrote in the, in the second person, the one whom the Lord loved about himself over and over and over? Think about this. Can you imagine, Peter? Well, I'm the one that got to walk on water, and the rest of the guys go, you walked three steps, bro, and you sunk. Yeah, but he saved me, and I got to do it. And then, I mean, you got Thomas, well, 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 I mean, and they go, you're a doubter, dude, that he doesn't like that. Yeah, but he let me touch him. He, you know, and I can see them arguing about the greatest and, and, and all of these things. And you go, well, that didn't happen until after. But anyway, anyway, that night, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus could have just said, ay, Dios mío, I don't understand how I've been with you so long, and, and, and just, he could have just given up right then and there. 
You know what else I find very interesting? He didn't correct them for arguing about greatness. He didn't say, you should never argue about greatness. He said, you do good. That's good that you want to be great. I put that in there, but you need to understand greatness in the kingdom. And greatness in the kingdom is different than the world. The world is about going up. The kingdom is about going down. Watch what he says right there. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him first be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give himself away. I'm about to give my life for you, and that's why I came, and I want you to understand that. In fact, I want you to understand that if you serve, you will be blessed. I wonder if he reminded him of Exodus 23 that says this in verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. That means he will provide for you. And he will take away your sickness. Verse 26, and no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren. That means I will not only just provide for you, I'll give you plenty. That's abundance. And I'll give you long life. That means I want to bless you more than you will ever know, but you've got to trust me. And then think about this with me for a second. Are you with me? Think about this. The night before he dies, that's his last night. What does he do as an object lesson for his disciples? What does he do? He takes a towel, he wraps it around his his waist, he gets on his knees, and he washes their dirty feet. How many of you are thinking, oh, man, I don't know if I could wash dirty feet. Anyone in the room would not like washing dirty feet. Okay, we've got a couple honest people, yeah. The truth is that in our culture would never fly. But think about it, before he dies, the greatest thing he leaves them with is wash each other's feet. See, in their culture, you would, uh, let's put it in our culture first. In our culture, you would, you would greet someone coming to your home with what? A handshake, a hug, let me take your coat, provide him a, a, a nice place to sit, and maybe something to drink. In their culture, you greet them with a kiss, You refresh their head with oil, and then you provide a basin for your servant to wash their feet. And if you don't have a servant, you could wash them, or you could let them wash their own. But it had become customary to just kind of go, you can wash your own, and and I'll, I'll, I'll see you over here when you're done. And so Jesus walks in. He's about to give them the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And he notices they haven't left the world behind. They're still arguing about going up. And he notices their heart is puffed up and their feet are dirty. He says, none of y'all washed your own feet? You couldn't wash each other's feet? Let me show you how. And in that, we understand the how. The how is we follow his example. How should we be servants? Follow his example. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have the same attitude in yourselves which was in Christ. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. And the selfless humility that he left them was, look, at the end of the day, if you don't get anything, get this, wash each other's feet. That means be willing to humble yourself all the way down to the floor. Be willing to serve one another. Quit thinking about how it will look because you're so interested in the pecking order. I'm telling you, the greatest among you would be the one that could humble himself, be secure in himself, be secure in herself, and Follow my example. That's what he shows. This is what the Bible is all about. You say, Pastor, but you haven't told me specifically how. You've been sharing with me, be a servant, be a servant, but how should I be a servant? Okay, take these down. Live by faith. Trust what his word says. Number one, trust what his word says. The Bible says three times, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. What does it mean the just shall live by faith? It means you've been justified. That means you have been pronounced innocent. You're no longer guilty. And the only way you can have that is by faith. Believe the word of God. All of it? <laughs> yeah, all of it. Pursue holy living. Daily sacrifice the lust of the flesh. Love one another. Destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That means know your place and don't let the enemy just tell you any old thing. No, you take that thought captive, you bring it to submission to God's word, and you take up for yourself what God's word has said over you. You will be blessed. Take every thought captive. We covered that. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Be generous. Don't try to be rich just in this world. Be rich in heaven. Eagerly await your Lord's return. Let your heart pound. I can't wait to see my bride. I mean, my groom. I can't wait to see my groom. I can't wait to see my groom. And then last but not least, serve your church. The book of Galatians puts it this way. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, especially to our church. Peter puts it this way, as each has received a gift. Do you know when you received the gift? You received the gift the day the Holy Spirit came into your life. You say, Pastor, I didn't know I had the Holy Spirit. If you came from death to life, the only way it can happen is by the Spirit of God. Young people, the only way you can be saved is by the Spirit of God. Because Paul says this, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Him. 
And the Bible says that the Spirit is what comes into you the day you're saved. The day you're saved, you have the Spirit. So, that Spirit brings a grace gift. Those are supernatural abilities that He gives you. For what purpose? Watch this. Each of you has received this supernatural, powerful gift. That's what he's talking about. Use it to what? Say it loud. Use it to serve one another. How do you serve one another? Well, you become a good steward of the grace that God has given you. Right there. It's right there. Stewards of God's varied grace. What does it mean that he's given you varied grace? That means my gift is not your gift. And your gift is not my gift. And God has determined for foundation to do something amazing for his kingdom here in this county. And we need each other. We need each other. And so as I sit back down and I just implore you, I know there's something in your heart saying, man, I want to do something for the king of glory. Could pastor be telling me the truth? Is it true that if I go for it, it'll be amazing? Yeah, it is. Is it true that I can love the church even though it hurt me in the past? Yes. Is it true that God gave me a supernatural ability that when I use it, it will shine and I could feel the Holy Spirit begin to move. Yes, it's true. But the enemy's going to do everything he can to keep you from engaging today. So what I want you to do is take some time right now between you and the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of the living God. Jesus Christ is my sovereign king. And I have been raised, given new life to serve his kingdom. So right here, right now, before I leave, I want to make a commitment. A commitment to serve. And just right there, have a, have a personal conversation with you in the spirit of God. Say, pastor, how do I do that? Just in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, just begin to call out to God. If you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved, then you say this. You say, from here on out, I repent of my sin. And I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Make me new, Lord. Make me new. And then begin to call out to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want what your word says. I want you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. But for those of you who are saved, right before I leave you, would you just take your phone out and scan this QR code? I'm going to give you a few moments because I know how the enemy works. He comes to what? 
and you'll say, I'll do it tomorrow. But like Garth Brooks says, if tomorrow never comes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, tomorrow won't come when he starts reminding you of all you have to do. No, the best way to break through is just right here, right now, say, I want to start off somewhere. I want to start off somewhere. You say, Pastor, but where should I start? Watch. Low. Low. We've got a lot going on, but the best way to start off is just low. But pastor, you don't know, I can do this and I can do that. that, that start off low. We need singers. Are you saying I can get up on the platform? Wait, whoa, hold on. Just join the choir, amen? Join the choir, be faithful. Be faithful with the little, try out. Let's see how you do, amen? Start off low. Let me share something exciting with God is doing in our, in our midst. He's growing us by leaps and bounds. Something he showed me this past conference, we went to a leadership conference. You, you know, there you go. And I'm looking at the, they have a, a platform where they had 20 different languages being sang and they took their time singing them. And it was amazing. It felt like you were in heaven. And I said, Lord, I want that for our church. He said, you haven't even sang in Spanish, and you can do that. <laughs> How are you going to get 20 languages when you can't start with two? So we're going to start a Spanish ministry. I heard him loud and clear. I said, Lord, we need to start a Spanish ministry. If you're a Spanish speaker and you want to participate, come on out. But how many of you know we have plenty of ministry to do in the English ministry we already have? We need your help. You say, Pastor, but, but where are you going to use me? Just come on to the team. Oh, but you don't understand. I've got giftings. I have, I get it. Let's just start off low, amen? Let's just be faithful with the little and let's see where we go from there. But before you leave today, would you just go ahead and scan that? I've seen like maybe one or two move. You can move now. <laughs> Go ahead, pull your phone out. Scan that. Get signed up. If not, I'm liable to call you. And I'll volunteer you. Say, Pastor, where can I start immediately? A place you can start to help me? I'm being honest because people have said, Pastor, we'll do anything so that you can keep teaching on Wednesdays. You want to know the best thing you can do so I can keep teaching on Wednesdays? Come and help me clean the building on Thursdays. I don't mind cleaning bathrooms. I do that to this day. I don't mind. But the amount of studying that I'm having to do, because I need you to remember I'm a full-time pastor, I'm a full-time husband, I'm a full-time father, I'm a full-time son, I'm a full-time friend. I'm a, I could use some help so that I don't have to be a full-time janitor as well. You go, Pastor, well then, let's go ahead and, and get this done. Amen. I could use your help. Your church could use your help. Amen.
I hope I wasn't too hard on you, church. I didn't get a lot of amens, but I thought I'd at least get some ouches. I love you. With one heart, with one voice, we say, Father, thank you for what you did on the cross through your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken. Lord, thank you for your blood that was shed. We remember until you return. May you find us faithful. This Wednesday, don't miss. I love you, church. Have a great, great week. Praise.